back, beloved. Um, today's going to be a little bit different. I wanted to do something kind of kind of different today. I'm going to be going through Psalm 119. This is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about glorifying and lifting up the Word of God. Um, I just feel like in our society right now, there's absolutely no truth. There is so much confusion, um, and a lot of that confusion has unfortunately seeped into the church, and we've taken the objective truth of Scripture and the Word of God, and, and a lot of people are just trying to make it subjective and based off our feelings, and it becomes extremely confusing. It really does. It really uh, it, it gets me uh, exercised, and it gets me uh, going. It's, it's, it's almost confusing to me. And so I'm not, you know, I was thinking of ways to combat this and spread the truth that the Word of God is a light, that the Word of God clarifies things. It doesn't make it more confusing. And I thought of the best ways to do that. And honestly, uh, the best way I can do that is reading you as much scripture as possible. <laughs> this isn't quite going to be an audio Bible. I've always wanted to do like a whole audio Bible just for the edification of saying every word in the Bible out loud. Um, but this is going to mirror that, and then I'm going to read the words, and then I'm going to preach. I'm going to pro provide like a 30,000 level overview and explanation of Psalm 119 and some of the key points, you know, glorifying the Word of God. I'm certainly not going to go through everything. And so my, my opening prayer with this would be that we all realize um, that the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We don't judge it. When we read it, it judges us. And uh, it conforms us to the image of Jesus. And, and Jesus is the Word made flesh. When the devil tempted him, he used the Word. And so, Lord, I would just beg you that you would increase our fear, our faith, and our hope based on your promises and based on your Son revealed in the Word. And so with that, I'm just going to start Psalm 119 and go from there. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Think of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are they who mourn, right? Happy are they who mourn. He's talking about the blessed man. Psalm 119 this is the happy person. He walks in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. This is somebody God has given grace because the word of God is clear. Mankind doesn't, nobody seeks God. That's what Romans says. This is describing a person, just like uh, the Sermon on the Mount, who's been graced by God. They do no iniquity, it says. They walk in his ways. You've commanded us to keep your precepts diligently, carefully. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your precepts. He's begging God and saying, Lord, it's kind of like, I believe, help my unbelief. He's like, I want to obey, help me obey more. Uh, this is somebody that knows he's been forgiven of his sins. He, he's, the psalmist has spoken of that in other psalms, and yet the forgiveness and grace God has given him draws him to God more. He wants to be holier. He wants to know more about this great God who died for a sinner like him. And so he's begging God, direct me to keep your statutes. You're going to see that common theme. He says, then I won't be ashamed. He says, when I look into all your commandments. So the word of God rebukes us. Even the psalmist is saying, when he falls away, when he falls into sin, your commandments rebuke me. He's saying, correct me before I sin. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. Then he says, how can a young man cleanse his way? 
by taking heed, fearing, diligently keeping according to your word. I mean, that is how we sanctify us. Jesus said, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. So by taking heed to that, we can cleanse ourselves from sexual immorality, idolatry, greediness, uh, laziness, anything. Just go to the word. It's so clear. It says, with my whole heart, I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. If, if, if you know what it's like to pray this prayer, we don't want to wander from our commandments. I hate that I wander from his commandments. And I know you do too, if you're watching this and, and you're, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't want to wander. So you pray to God, keep me from wandering. Your word, have I, uh, your word I have hidden in my heart. His heart, the seed of his desires, he loves the word. And because he's hid it in his heart and he loves it, it's that he might not sin against you, against God. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I've declared all the judgments of your mouth. Everything you judge is right, is what he's saying. Your law is right. If anyone argues with it, they're wrong. You're right. God is good. Everything he says is true. He says, I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. It is better to know God and to rejoice in the word of God and know that God wrote it for you and redeemed you and is putting together a plan to save you than in all the wealth of the world. He says, I'll meditate on your precepts. Meditation is not, and this is very confusing, we're seeing this in a lot of false teaching, in a lot of Things being brought into the church, I brought up a, a Catholic prayer app that meditation is like just emptying your mind. No, it's meditating on God's precepts. He says, I'll contemplate your ways. Think, I, I used to meditate before I was saved, completely emptying my mind. It, was a, it, it is a very demonic experience. Do not do that. Do not empty your mind. Do not bypass your mind. Love the Lord God with your mind. Believe me, I found more peace in my life now than ever, and my head is never empty. We need to meditate on his precepts and on God's ways, what he's really like, you know, everything from the flood to the cross of Christ, all the things he's done, meditate on them. It says, I'll delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Then he says, deal bountifully, be gracious with your servant that I may live and keep your word. If you're not gracious to me, I'm going to fall away. I'm going to fall into sin. Be gracious to me so that I can keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Oh, that's my prayer for everybody. God's word is living and active. And so sometimes you read over a scripture and scripture always has one meaning. There's only one interpretation of scripture, but sometimes you're reading over it and the Holy Spirit or your own flesh, you just don't get it. So you come back to it because it's a living. And now the application, not the interpretation. The world wants you to think the word of God has many interpretations. That is a lie. But the word of God does have millions of applications. And, and, and so it, we want to see wondrous things from the word of God and God's law. He says, I'm a stranger in the earth. Jesus promised his followers one thing. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will be on the narrow road that leads to life. The whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one. He says, you know, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. He says, I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. He's saying, give me them. Give me your commandments. I want to do them. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. There are so many gray areas of life 
that we're working out in our conscience. And I just wish God would audibly tell me every little detail of my whole life and exactly what video he wants me to make or exactly how he wants me to treat someone exactly to the T. But we pray that the Lord will just reveal those to us and we walk in faith as we try and serve him, that he'll, he'll work all that out. We long for his judgments at all times. What do you want me to do? Show me your will. He says, you rebuke the proud. And then he says, the cursed. And I'm no Hebrew scholar by any means, but typically this means like what Paul said in the New Testament, you know, devoted to destruction, the, the wicked, the cursed, they're proud. They, and, and this is what he calls pride. The, the cursed are, and, and the prideful stray from your commandments. He says, remove from me reproach and contempt for I've kept your testimonies. And so when you're on the narrow road and you keep the testimonies in the word of the law, the proud and the cursed who stray, uh, you do rejoice that God rebukes them. Yes, you want people to submit to the Lordship of Christ and enjoy uh, that salvation. You don't hate them. You love them. Uh, but you also rejoice in the judgments of God. He says, princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight and my counselors. Jeremiah, the prophet, when he was preaching to an apostate nation, he says, you, you know, they were all coming after him. He got thrown in a pit. He says, your words were found and I ate them and they became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So God's word, sometimes God takes away that emotion because we as humans, we love emotion. There's so much good emotion. The fruit of the spirit is joy. There's so much joy in Christ. But if you make emotions an idol and, and you're just seeking Jesus for the loaves and the fish because you're fed and not for who he is, for the sacrifice for sins, for, uh, you know, for who he really is, right? If, you, if we make our emotions an idol, he takes those away sometimes. And he just leaves us to rely on his word and his promises. And I'm here to tell you, that's enough. His word's more than enough. It's all you need. He says, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I've declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. He says this like 50 times. This is a humble approach. He's saying, teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. His word, he's strengthened by the word. He says, remove from me the way of lying. He's, I don't want to be a liar. If you watch my channel, if this isn't your first time watching it, I believe I'm called by God to speak the truth and evangelize and, and preach the truth and expose lies. But I know not everything I say is 100. I'm fallible. And so I have to beg God and all true preachers and teachers of the word of God need to beg God, Lord, remove from me lying. I don't want to lie. I don't want to dishonor your word. And then he says, grant me your law graciously. Grant me the ability to obey it. Help me walk in truth and in the light of what your word is really saying of the gospel. He says, I've chosen the way of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, your judgments I've laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. Oh, I, it's, we know that feeling, beloved. We cling to Christ. We cling to the testimony of God. Christ is that testimony. He, he is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Oh Lord, he says, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments for you will enlarge my heart. By looking at the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and making him first above everything and everyone in your life, he will so enlarge your heart 
that you're able to love your family more. You're able to love your neighbor more. You're able to love your enemy more. You will lose nothing for your fellow man. The best thing you can do for your fellow man and your family is run at God with everything you have. He will enlarge your heart so that you can love everyone else. Teach me, O Lord. He says, again, teach me the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. He's begging God to teach him the word. He says, give me understanding, and I'll keep your law. Indeed, I will observe it with my whole heart. He's saying, I need understanding to do this. Teach me this word. This is how we're supposed to read the Bible, guys. It's clear. He says, make me walk in the path of your commandments. Bind me like a slave. I don't want free will. I only use my free will to dishonor you. Make me walk in the way of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, Proverbs says. He turns it any way he wants, so he's begging God. Incline my heart to your testimonies, not to covetousness, not to merchandise and money and all the silliness we see with the prosperity gospel and false teachers just begging for money all the time. No, don't incline my eyes to covetousness to the word of God, to your testimonies. It says, turn away my eye from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. He says, establish your word to your servant who's devoted to fearing you. God lives. Isaiah 60 or 65, I believe, talks about the person God lives in. And it says, you know, heaven is, you know, the, the throne of God and the earth is the footstool. Where will he live? And if he can't live in heaven and earth, he's too big to fill heaven and earth. He says, I'll look on the one who's lowly and contrite and who trembles at my word. We are supposed to fear God and tremble at his word and his judgments. Not in a way we fear a lawgiver who's come to just throw us in hell. No, that's not what I'm saying. But even born again Christians, we're supposed to fear God as a father, as the sovereign of the universe. His word is is that authoritative. And so we're devoted to fearing him. If you've tasted the fear of the Lord, you know it's good. It's a, it's a great fear to have. It frees you from the fear of man and what all the world thinks about you. And it enables you to just run with your whole heart towards the Lord. So I beg God for more fear of him. And I, I pray the same for you. It says, turn away my reproach, which I dread. People are reproaching and reviling him. It says, your judgments are good. Now, when he says, turn away my reproach, remember when John was writing Revelation, he says, I was on the island and, and I was there for the tribulation uh, and the kingdom and something else. I don't want to misquote scripture, um, but he says, I was there in that tribulation because of the word of God. And I believe the psalmist is saying the same thing here because he upholds the word. He praises the word. He loves the word. He, he's, he's in trouble. He's under reproach of man. He says, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness, not my own, your righteousness. Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me. This is what he says. Let your salvation according to your word come to me. Then I'll have an answer for him who reproaches me. And how, beloved, how do you answer somebody who reproaches you for the word of God? For I trust in your word. Like, it's that simple. Lord, I trust in your word. These people, if someone disagrees with the word of God, I'm not talking about a slight doctrinal difference or a secondary or tertiary difference. I'm talking about major assaults against the clear interpretation of scripture. Major assaults against the true word of God, the deity of Jesus Christ, grace versus works, right? Like, like you know, the, the core foundations. No matter what they say, just 
Tell them the truth in love so they have a chance to either be saved or sanctified in truth, right? But if they reproach you, just trust in his word. He says, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. Don't take it. Keep it there. Keep me zealous for I've hoped in your ordinances. So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty. So liberty, freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes. But look what he says. I'll keep your law and I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. You see, freedom, the whole Bible and Jesus, who is the word made flesh from Old Testament to New Testament, says freedom and liberty is radically different than what the world is telling you is freedom and liberty. Jesus said, if you're not in him and you're not for him, you're a slave to sin. That's what you are. If you want true freedom, you have to become a slave of Christ. And you say, what? That doesn't make any sense. True freedom by becoming a slave? Yes. Jesus sets you free from the power and the condemnation of sin, and he sets you free to become a slave of righteousness. And so that's what we are. We're servants. And Jesus said, if you want more faith, call yourself a worthless servant. I, there's nothing good in me. I haven't done anything good, but I walk at liberty. I seek his precepts. He's made me a new creation. I know what it's like to be in total bondage to sin and to love it more than anything. And that, of course, made me hate the word of God because it always rebuked me. But now by the grace of God, I've been born again. And so I love his word and I hate everything against his word. Even the old me, I hate that. Even the new me, excuse me, even the old man that's still attached to, to the new creation, right? I'm, I'm still, my flesh is not redeemed and, and I still hate that those things. And so that's the testimony here. It's a genuine salvation that leads to liberty. Even while we sin, we have this liberty. It's a beautiful mercy from God. He says, I will speak of your testimonies before kings, before anyone. I'll speak like Paul did before kings. He's not ashamed and I will not be ashamed and I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. This is the love of God that you obey his commandments, but his commandments are not burdensome. The natural man is at hostility with, the, with God, the New Testament says. Uh, we can't subject ourselves. So God does it for us. He allows our, us, and by saving us, he allows us to delight in the commandments. They're not burdensome. They're a delight. He says, my hands also I will lift up to your commandments. I'll praise your commandments, which I love, and I'll meditate on your statutes. Remember the word to your servant. Remember it, upon which you've caused me to hope. Jesus is our only hope. I love this. This is my comfort in my affliction and all the stress of life, all the calamities, brothers and sisters in Christ. I love you so much. But right now, the world, through false teachers and the prosperity gospel, they are trying to comfort the affliction, the anxiety of both the world and the church. But they are giving you a false comfort. They are, they are healing your wound slightly. Uh, Jeremiah, when rebuking the prophets, he said, they've healed the wound of my people slightly. You're covering it over. No, no, our wounds must be exposed completely, then the medicine put in, and then bandage up. This is the true comfort from God to the weary soul, to the sinful soul, the humble soul that knows I need forgiveness. It's the word. He says, this is my comfort in my affliction. Your word has given me life life the word of god gives us life jesus is the word made flesh the god of the bible is the eternal god and jesus is the god of the bible
and he's given us life. That is what comforts us in our affliction. Not that God is going to work out a plan that gives me a brand new car, just provides for my needs for right now. No, he might have ordained severe affliction in this world, but his word gave me life. I have eternal life. Who cares about the next 50 or 60 years? Who cares? I have eternal life. The proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remember your judgments of old, O Lord. The judgments of God. Look back on who God really is. Look at how he judged us after we fell in the garden. Look at how he judged the world uh, and drowned it and only saved Noah. But then look at the mercy and grace of saving Noah. We can now look back on the judgment of God as he poured out his own wrath on his own uh, son on the cross as a judgment for sin. God's judgments are overflowing with righteousness and grace, and, and we want to meditate on those. He says, I've comforted myself by your judgments. The judgment of God is something the saints praise. Read the book of Revelation. We praise God's judgments as they pour them out. Both the, 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 we love the mercy and the grace and the salvation and the love and the gentleness of God. But we also love the holiness and the justice and we love his wrath, even his wrath. We wouldn't love to experience it. But in Revelation, they're praising God for his righteous judgments and wrath. And so our beloved Jesus is altogether lovely, whether it's wrath or grace, all of him is beautiful. He says, indignation has taken hold of me. He's angry because of the wicked who forsake your law. They're, they're forsaking the law. He says, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. He's, he's a little pilgrim walking through the world. He doesn't belong here. So the statutes are the song of his heart. They're what cheers him up. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I keep your precepts. You are my portion. God is the inheritance. Read the Old Testament. The Levites who were chosen to be priests of God, they got no inheritance among the children of Israel. And you can say, what? They served the Lord so clearly. They were doing the most work. They were sacrificing the lambs that point to the coming lamb of God. They should have gotten the best portion. No, no, no. They got no portion. Nothing on this earth. God was their portion. And he didn't fully explain that, but we all know it. If you're in Christ, any intimacy with God, any, any, oh, any joy in the spirit, joy in the word and spirit and truth is better than any wealth you could imagine. You are my portion, O Lord. That is, God is giving himself to his bride. Like we're inheriting God. Not that I will own God for all eternity, but I will be with God. If you're in Christ, you will be with God for all eternity. You have an amazing inheritance. God himself is that inheritance. God and Christ are the crown jewels of heaven. Not all the streets of gold or any of that. I've said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. Oh, be merciful to us, Lord. He's crying out for mercy. I thought, and, and that's so important. He's crying out for mercy, which means he's acknowledging he's a sinner. He does this this whole time. And yet he's also acknowledging that, there, that he's righteous. Not that he's righteous in and of himself, but there's a distinction between the wicked and the righteous, between believers and non-believers. Not in personal merit. He's not saying it's in his righteousness. It's in God's righteousness, in God's salvation. There is a clear distinction, and the Bible is unmistakable about this, clear clarity, in that there are true believers and false believers. The Bible calls them sheep and goats, wheat and tares, good fish and bad fish. There are true teachers and there are false teachers. There are 
there's the true Christ and there are false Christs. There's God and the devil, and there is no middle ground. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So the psalmist here is asking for mercy. He's admitting his sin, and yet he's also holding up the fact that God has saved him. God has opened up his eyes. There is a distinction between him and the wicked. And that distinction doesn't originate from his righteousness, but from God's righteousness and opening up his eyes. That's why he cries over his enemies. He says, I thought about my ways and I turned my feet to your testimonies. Genuine repentance. I made haste. I didn't delay to keep your commandments. Jesus says, he who loves me keeps my commandments. That's how we show love for him. He says, the cords of the wicked have bound me. He's bound by these cords. He's controlled by the wicked oppressing him. But I've not forgotten your law. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. He says, I'm a companion of all who fear you. Those in the true church, those who really love the Lord, fear him. And, and he's a companion of all who fear him. And of those who keep your precepts, the earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. And it really is. Unbeliever and non-believer alike, God pours forth mercy and grace all day in the things you eat, uh, the land, the, the wind, the oxygen, everything. He's pouring out his mercy. He says, teach me your statutes. You've dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me. Again, teach me, teach me, teach me. And this is all about the word. So I think it's clear. The Bible is saying, beg God for wisdom as we read his word, and he'll give it to us. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now I keep your word. Don't you see this? This is the answer for genuine evangelism. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. He's acknowledging, I, I was a, I was afflicted. I was anxious. I was, uh, excuse me. He was acknowledging he was astray. He was not following the Lord and the Lord afflicted him. He says, it's good that I've been afflicted. He's praising God for afflicting him. Maybe God brought anxiety. Maybe he brought physical pain. Maybe he brought all of those things that we naturally absolutely hate. And I naturally hate them. And, and when they come, I'm no super saint. I beg God for mercy and for relief from anxiety. I hate anxiety. And, and, and those physical pains, uh, health problems, all that. And I, I have, you know, genuine sorrow for people going through that. However, we need that. I need that. You need that. We, God has to teach us those hard lessons because we go astray. And when he does that, then we keep his word. Thank God that he disciplines us like children. We're not under wrath. He disciplines us like a loving father. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Whatever they were saying was a complete lie. He's saying, I'm preaching your truth, and the wicked have forged a lie. They're holding fast to that deceit. The Bible says we cast down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God because people build up fortresses of lies and false religion and things against the truth. They forge a lie against true preachers and, and in this case, the psalmist. It says, but I'll keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease. They can't hear the truth. They've already chosen not to believe the word. But I delight in your law. It is good for me that I've been afflicted. Oh, beautiful. It's true. It's good for me that I've been afflicted. I don't like it. I don't want it to come, but 
I often pray just like, Lord, I don't want to dishonor you. Strike me. That way I don't grow haughty or arrogant against your word, right? Or anything. Like, I don't want to fall into anything that dishonors my Lord. I'd rather be stricken than to go astray. And if you're in Christ, I know you think the same thing. You don't want to go astray. And I don't want you to go astray. So uh, the Bible says if we, if we judge ourselves, we discipline ourselves, we wouldn't come under discipline of the Lord. I've been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. Oh, I love the word, but we also need that experience where God brings us through those trials. The law of your mouth, the law of your mouth, the words of your mouth are better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. You're my creator. Guys, the word of God gives you access to the mind of the creator of the universe. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? And it shows you the God of the creator of the universe. And, and it reveals to you your great need for a savior, that something's not right between you and this God of the universe. And this God of the universe has provided a perfect savior, a, a substitution where, where he literally takes your sin and he's fully man. And so as a man, he can bear the punishment that mankind has incurred by rebelling against our creator. But he's also fully God. And so as God, he can absorb all that wrath in three brutal hours on the cross. And so he can reconcile man to God because Jesus is God. The creator has died for us, beloved. This is incredible. He says, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I've hoped in your word. Notice the distinction, the proud, the arrogant, the wicked hate him. They forge a lie against him, but the, the humble, the meek, the nobodies, they rejoice and, and, and they, they, because they fear God. And so they rejoice. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you've afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word to your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed. He's praying for that here. Let the proud be ashamed. They treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. Always back to God and his word. No matter what the arrogant say, no matter how many people throw darts at you or whatever you're hearing, um, we are here for them. We are not here against non-believers. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. If they're not in Christ, they're deceived. If they're in Christ, but they speak against the clear interpretation of the word of God, they're just deceived. They just have a speck in their eye and they just need you to lovingly stand for the truth. Meditate on his precepts. That's it. Let those who fear you turn to me, he says, those who know your testimonies. Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. Oh, Lord, grant that to us all. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. I love that. My soul faints for your salvation. I hope in your word. He says, my eyes fail from searching your word. The psalmist is busy. You know, a king in Israel, it was literally within the law that the king would write out the revealed scripture at that time. I believe the law is clear. Once again, I don't want to misquote scripture. I don't have it right in front of me. But for certain, the king, if you're going to be king, if you're going to be a leader of God's people, you had to carry around that book all day with you. Like that, that, and I don't know if it was rigid according to the law every second of every day, but that was it. Carry around, and it probably was because they were, they were with, you know, the law, right? They probably carried around that book all day. And what a blessing that is. 
But he says, my eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? He wants comfort from the word of God. That's where we're supposed to seek comfort, beloved, not in the world and not in God just fixing our problems, but in God revealing what glorifies him, even if it's our affliction, through his word. For I've become like a wineskin in smoke. I'm, I'm dried up. I'm, 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 I'm going through the ringer. I don't understand. You know, he's, he's oppressed. He's, uh, you know, he's under a thlipsis, a, a tribulation. He's being pressed. But I do not forget your statutes. He says, how many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. All your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully, he says. Help me. They almost made an end of me on the earth, but I did not forsake your precepts. And I love this. Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Forever. This is so amazing. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So many people nowadays just treat the word of God as if it's constantly changing and we can interpret it however we want. And I'm talking about only tier one serious issues. I'm not talking about when you think the rapture is. That's not what I'm talking about. I love talking about all the things of scripture. I'm talking about tier one issues. We talk about the word of God in the church and outside of the church. I'm talking about the visible church, the buildings that contain people professing Christ, not the body of Christ, every genuinely born again believer. Talking about the, I'm just talking about buildings here. We talk about the Word of God as if it's flimsy. It can, it's, we're, we're, you know, we can't even understand anything from it. It's so murky. It's not clear. It's mysterious. Beloved, the Word of God is the clearest thing on planet Earth when it comes to tier one absolutely crucial issues like what is sin? Who is Christ? What exactly did it, did He die for? How can I be saved? Like these issues are clear. And God's word is settled in heaven. It says, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances. God is so faithful. The world and the moon, the earth and the moon and the sun reflect his faithfulness every morning you trust that the sun will come up that's a grace from god and the earth and all of creation points to how faithful god is every day bringing the sun up if he doesn't bring the sun up we all die if he doesn't send the rain we all die if he doesn't send his son to die for all who would believe we all go to hell right like god is reflected in his creation and in the earth Brothers and sisters in Christ, we now, even through science, know how much it, it literally proves the Word of God, which is never the foundation. You don't go to science and then the Word of God. You start with the Word of God, but science backs it up. In Isaiah, God says, I've formed the earth to be inhabited. It's special. And now, thousands of years later, we have science, and we notice that all the other planets don't have oxygen, and nobody's there. There's no way to, that book, Isaiah 43, I believe, or, or it's in the 40s, it was written 2,700 years ago. And so God created the earth to be inhabited. So it has oxygen and water and food. It's how he created it. It's so clear that the Bible is the word of God. And the Bible reveals God's faithfulness and his truth and his clarity. God is faithful to his word. 
just like he's faithful to establish the earth and lay the foundations and bring the sun up every day. Oh, I love that. They continue this day according to your ordinances for all are your servants. The sun and moon serve God. Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I would have turned away. I would have perished. I would have been gone. If it weren't for the law of God, the word of God, I will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. Paul wrote to Timothy and he says, scripture can make you wise for salvation through faith. You're not just going to learn your way to Christ. Salvation is through faith, which is in Christ. You've known the Holy Scriptures, which can make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ. All Scripture points to Christ. Oh, I love this. The prayers from the heart are so simple, beloved. I am yours. Save me. That's, that's it. That's a prayer from the heart. It's not with eloquence of words. It's not some deep thing. I am yours. Save me. For I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies, your testimonies, your precepts, your word, your law, everything, you, you, you. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. That's how Psalm 1 opens up with the blessed man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, he, he meditates on the law of God every day. You through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. He's not speaking arrogantly here. He's saying, I'm wiser than my enemies, not in my own wisdom, but in the word of God. That's all he's praising. He hasn't once pointed to anything he's learned or he's figured out or he's deduced. He's saying, by your word, you make me wiser than all my enemies, for they are ever with me. He says, I, I have more understanding than all my teachers. Wow, that sounds really arrogant. You know, that, that's, not, that's not humble. No, it is humble. He's saying, because of your commandments, because of your words, you make me wiser. You give me more understanding than all my teachers. The, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. Anything I drum up of myself is foolishness to God. It's silliness. God's wisdom is pure, peaceable. It is true wisdom. Wisdom is, a tree, uh, wisdom is a tree of life. Jesus became to us wisdom. So with that, he says, your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients. He's saying, I understand more than, than old scribes. And, and we're to honor our elders and not rebuke an old man sharply. He's just merely acknowledging that God has graciously opened up the word to him and so that he understands more than the ancients. And there needs to be a respect for our fathers, a respect for our grandfathers, a respect for our elders within and without the church. But at the same time, there needs to be an overall humility that God can use, like in this case, the psalmist, a young man. God can use whoever he wants. God used a donkey to rebuke a false teacher, Balaam. He can use me. I'm a little bit younger. I'm not that. I'm 30. I'm not that young, but I'm a little bit younger. Um, well, Jesus was 30. God can use a 14-year-old. God can use a 12-year-old, right? According to he can do whatever he wants, however he wants. But he always seems to work according to his word. And he reveals that to us. He doesn't hide anything to us. And so I think these verses of the Psalms really consistently clarify 
what it is to worship God in spirit, but also in truth, to glorify his word. And it gives us promises based on that, that he will make us wise with a godly wisdom and not a, not a foolish wisdom. And so I hope this has clarified um, how we should look at the Bible and, and, and we should just look at it as a divine decree coming down from heaven and just lift it up above every man. You know, let God be true. Uh, but man, you know, every man a liar. If I ever say anything that is against the clear, clear teaching of Scripture, trust me, brothers, I've turned false and f run away from me as fast as you can. But as long as I continue to uphold the word of God and the true gospel of Jesus Christ, um, I hope you like this video and I hope you share it with someone who needs it.